Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Dirt Radio. I'm your host, Emma Watson, and we're broadcasting on the 855am frequency from NAM in the Kulin Nations, also known as Melbourne, Victoria. And we're also streaming live at 3cr.org.au. This show is sponsored by Friends of the Earth, otherwise known affectionately as FOE who on the weekend achieved a collective effort mobilising 70 committed walkers who were sponsored by hundreds of community members who raised over $25,000 for uh, faux campaigns. So here to start the show today and tell us a bit uh, about uh, who and the what is Rachel Linsky. Rachel is one of the walkers and fundraisers, and most importantly, she is the co-coordinator of the Sustainable Cities campaign at FOE, uh, and they're in full campaign mode as we head towards the Victorian state election in November. Good morning, Rachel. Morning. Thanks for having me, Emma. Thanks for coming into the studio. Um, so the event on Saturday was called Walk This Way. Uh, you were on the walk. How did you feel after walking the 15Ks from Sandringham to St Kilda? Yeah, look, my legs were pretty tired, um, and but we'd had a totally stunning day, beautiful, sunny weather. I did go for a quick dip in the bay to cool off afterwards. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just incredible to um, be right by the water and see, um, yeah, that part of Melbourne that I hadn't really been too much. Yeah, before. nice. It was a 24 degree day, I think. So yeah, perfect weather for it. And it seemed like it was quite the occasion to dress up. I, I saw lots of um, videos on social media which were pretty entertaining and um, people, uh, our very own um, Dirt Radio, Phil Evans, um, a coffee cup culture um, outfit that he made. Yes. Yeah, there yeah. were some really creative um, costumes. The walk was really centred around um, there's no time to waste on climate change. Right. Um, was kind of the um, the theme of the day and we were launching our new waste and consumption campaign and also um, touching on like climate change and the impact that that's having right. along the, um, the bay there. Um, so yeah, so that's why a lot of our costumes were inspired by plastic waste and what right. that's looking like. So turning that into those, um, yeah, all that rubbish into something Wearable and usable. Wearable and, uh, very, and very fashionable. Indeed. Yeah. Did you don an outfit for the occasion? I did. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the Sustainable Cities um, Coordinator and we have some fun um, tram and train costumes in yep. the office. So I popped one of them on to spread the word about um, getting better transport and public transport for, for Melbourne. Yes, which we'll talk more about in a bit later in the show. Um, and exciting for you too because it's uh, the year anniversary since the launch of the Sustainable Cities campaign. Yeah, last last year at Walk This Way we kicked off the Sustainable Cities campaign, so how a year has flown by. Um, but yep. yeah, it was really exciting to be there and see another um, another campaign joining the Faux family <laughs> this yep. year. Excellent, yeah. 
Um, so along the way, so 15 kilometres is a long way to walk, <laughs> and I'm sure you'd get pretty tired if you just did that in, in one full stretch. Um, but there are a few breaks along yeah. the way and some campaign talks. Can you tell us a bit about, about those? Yeah, we broke it up a bit. Um, and as I said, yeah, I had the focus around the this, um, new waste campaign that's really born out of this huge movement that's kind of been kicked off by the war on waste on the ABC mm-hmm. and just an increasing um, amount of... Um, kind of knowledge around the impact that our um, lifestyles are having on our natural environment. Mm. So um, we're lucky enough to hear from Anine, the coordinator of that group, and also from um, one of the um, bay keepers, um, a guy called Neil, who, um, yeah, spends his time cleaning up the beaches and, and um, collecting data. Mm. So he showed us how he does beach um, um, like assessments to, to see how much plastic there is um, using, um, yeah, kind of, a particular method so we all got to have a bit of a go at um being part of yeah beach cleanup so that was yeah so that was like a um sort of microplastic yes. identification wasn't it so a sort of interesting um take on citizen science yeah yeah usually um you you know you hear about citizen science where where people go out and they survey plants and animals but in this case it's <laughs> identifying plastic right indeed yeah, yeah. So yeah. did you find much micro microplastics? Yes, unfortunately, there was a lot out there. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because yeah, unless you are really looking for it, you can you can almost miss it. Yeah. So it's it's good to be actually taking the time to notice and see what's really going on in the yeah in um, the environment. environment around you. Yeah. yeah, I've got a quote here from Annie Cummins. Um, so she's the the consumption uh, waste and consumption coordinator you mentioned. Um, she says, uh, I think it was on a tweet, that China's decision to stop taking Australia's mm. waste and plastic has forced a rethink about how we deal with disposable plastic and waste. Exactly. There's lots of things kind of just coming to a head at the moment that's really, yeah, building this movement. And so they're yeah. really looking at how do we actually systemically address this and, and yeah. rather than just um, individual kind of changes that we you know yeah. need to make, but what do we actually need to do to change the system to yeah. reduce our impact on the environment? Yeah. And so the that new campaign that's launching. Um, so they get. Do they have uh, regular meetings now? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I believe on Wednesdays. Um, yep. There's a Facebook group, uh, mm-hmm. an open group um, mm-hmm. called Foes Waste and Consumption Campaign that people mm-hmm. can jump online and um, join in there, and they will share all the details about when they're meeting up. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, I heard about another uh, talk that happened mm. um, through Elwood. Yes. Which is quite a low-lying uh, area prone to flooding. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. Can you can you tell us a bit about that particular talk? Yeah, that was great to um, kind of be starting to make the connection between um, climate change and the impacts right here in Melbourne um, that are coming, that are, you know, here and only mm. going to increase in the future. And, um, yeah, we had a great speaker from the Bayside um, Climate Action Group mm-hmm. who were pretty active down there and were, yeah, really born out of, um, I think it was in 2011, some quite um, severe flooding that happened down there, mm-hmm. you know, a one-in-a-hundred-year kind of event. Um, and that group, yeah, kind of got together and, and saw that it wasn't just, you know, this one-off thing, that it was actually connected to a bigger picture of the mm. climate changing um, and increasing the risk to, to that local community yeah, um, already, all across Melbourne. Yeah, They're already prone to coastal erosion yeah. and, and flooding as well. I heard, because um, I heard about it, I didn't do the walk this mm. time myself, but um, I donated, um, which <laughs> Thank you. anyone else can do as well. If you go to yeah. walkthiswayorgau they're still um, still taking donations. Can um, we crack 26,000? We're very close. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, I heard there was some shocking news that um, 
that projected that climate impacts in Elwood would mean that it, it could potentially be completely underwater in 80 years. Yeah. So, yeah, so a very urgent and very, yeah, important time to be acting on climate. Yes, um, which is great. That to, um, Next up we have um, Petra Stock uh, in the, the studio as well who um, is from the Climate Council. So um, we'll hear a bit more from uh, from Petra in a moment. Um, but thanks, Rachel, very much for, for wrapping up Walk This Way and for all those people who participated and donated to keep those campaigns running on the smell of a empty muesli bar wrapper. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my uh, favourite quotes I saw on somebody's social media post. Um, so, again, you can support the great people on the walk and, of course, foe if you go to www.walkthisway.org.au. The Environmental Film Festival Australia is on again. See the impact of climate change and meet heroes fighting for justice. Witness the beauty of nature and hear the sounds of our world. Meet the filmmakers and experts inspiring change and join the conversation to create a sustainable future. Face the facts, face the future, face the films. The Environmental Film Festival Australia, in Melbourne from October the 11th to the 19th. Tickets at effa.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You're on. You're with Dirt Radio this morning. I'm Emma Watson, and uh, we were just talking to Rachel Linsky, who's a Sustainable Cities campaigner from Friends of the Earth. Um, we were just talking about the Walk This Way Challenge uh, last Saturday where there were a, a number of uh, talks along the 15-kilometre route from Sandringham to St Kilda. And some of those talks were about the impacts of climate. So to expand on this further is our next guest, Petra Stock from the Climate Council. Um, Petra is an environmental engineer with over 15 years' experience working with the renewable energy industry government bodies and the not-for-profit sector. Petra is also across energy and climate policy and technological, uh, technological developments in Australia and globally and has authored uh, numerous Climate Council publications. So good morning, Petra. Good morning, Emma. Thanks for having me. You're um, very welcome. Thanks for coming into the studio. Um, so just to start, start us off, Petra, can you tell us a bit more about the Climate Council, um, what it actually does... Um, and why it's different to other advisory and climate policy bodies? So the Climate Council is Australia's leading climate communications body Mm -hmm. and what we try to do is take the latest research on climate impacts but also solutions like renewable energy and sustainable transport but break that down for the community so it's easy for them to understand what the latest research is saying um, and what they can do about it. Mm. And um, we actually we heard last week some some pretty alarming news from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that's the IPCC, um, that we have a mere 12 years left to get really serious about climate change and limit global warming, which is predicted to increase substantially over the next decades. Um, so things are getting a little bit more than just urgent, aren't they? Definitely, and um, obviously Australians. Are- probably comes as no surprise we are already experiencing worsening extreme weather events particularly heat waves and Mm. we're about to go into a 
another bushfire season. Mm. Um, so we definitely need to get cracking when it comes to climate change. But on the positive side is there's lots we can do to actually start to drive yeah. down Australia's emissions. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you've just re- released a report looking at the transition to renewables. And it shows that the state of Victoria is a bit behind the other states. Uh, I had a, a skim through the report and it looks like we're in fifth place. Um, so why is Victoria so far behind? Well, actually, um, Victoria's an equal second with Queensland. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting scorecard that we do every year where we track state and territory um, progress on renewable energy. We call it the renewable energy race. Mm-hmm. And um, this year... It was interesting because there was a three-way tie for first place between South Australia, the ACT and Tasmania. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's looking pretty interesting for next year because Victoria and Queensland are really hot on their heels. Okay. So, yeah, so a bit more of a positive story for Victoria, but they're not in the front yet. Okay, that's good. So we've we've sped Mm. up already. Got some (laughs) work to do. Yep. Um, So... um, so it was in 2017, um, Victoria's Andrews government announced that Melbourne's iconic trams will soon be powered by solar. And while that's a very welcome development, Melbourne's trains are the second largest energy user in the state. Um, can you t- tell us a bit more about that? You've um, released a transport report as well. Well, transport is one of the issues that I'm very passionate about because Mm -hmm. there's a lot happening in renewable energy around Australia, but Australia needs to get moving on transport solutions to climate change as well. It's our second largest source of pollution, um, and there's some great things happening around Australia like the Solar Trams Initiative. But you're right, the trains seem an obvious uh, follow-on. We'd love to see the uh, the Victorian government Um, look at powering the trains by renewable energy Mm -hmm. um, because they're the second largest energy user, as you say, and also for the Victorian government, the second largest source of emissions. Mm. Right, yeah. And so um, you can actually check out uh, online, there's a Yes to Renewables open letter regarding the the trains. Um, So that you can find at melbournefo.org.au forward slash renewable powered trains and um, that gives a bit more information. Do you want to um, elaborate on that a bit more? Well, um, just talking about our transport report, we see renewable powered public transport as a key um, way of tackling transport emissions. So renewable powered trams, trains, but also electric buses. If we move to electrifying our, electrifying our buses, we'll be able to clean up the city streets, but also be able to power those by renewable energy. Mm. So it's definitely one key area that we can do something. Yeah, it's very exciting. Mm. Um, and so I guess there's a lot of jobs in this industry. Um, it's really interesting because in uh, South Australia and in Victoria, in some of the places where they used to manufacture cars, we're now starting to see the manufacturing of electric buses. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of getting started in Australia, but there's huge potential there mm-hmm. um, if we start to see state and local governments ordering some of those buses, um, we can give that industry a boost. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. And, mm-hmm. and um, so how does this intersect, Rachel, with your sustainabilities, uh, Sustainable Cities campaign? Are you, um, uh, yeah. what, what's the main, <laughs> where's the campaign at, at the moment and, and um, how are you working to, um, to push these initiatives forward? Yeah, it's great to have these um, two kind of different campaigns, but also 
huge intersections between them at Friends of the Earth. Um, it's really exciting to um, see how we can um, tackle transport emissions and, and our general emissions in, in so many different ways. And the work that Sustainable Cities has really been doing is broadly about our transport network and, and what do we need to um, shift and change to make it more sustainable and reduce our dependence on um, cars and um you know, single occupant vehicles that are producing lots of emissions, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, everything from tackling our f- um, freight and, you know, the, b- the big trucks and all those emissions um, through to, yeah, how does it create jobs here in um, Victoria. Um, and I think the really exciting thing that um, that we can build connections between our campaigns is that um, it's, it's almost like, you know, the more um, trains that we have on our network, the more solar power we need to power them. Mm. And every time there's more solar power put into our, um, our grid and our network and making it cleaner, we can put more trains on, which, you know, helps the city, um, which is, you know, increasingly struggling to, to meet mm. all of its requirements to move everyone around. You know, we need more trains. So it's almost like this great um, cycle that's, that's, you know, propping each other up that you know the more solar we build the more trains we can have and the more trains we have the more solar and, we have, and the so, less carbon emissions we have <laughs> yeah exactly it's almost a win-win for um both of us <laughs> yeah excellent um we might just take a break here for a moment and uh we'll be back in a moment Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. We're on Dirt Radio. Um, I've got, this is Emma Watson. Um, I've got Rachel Linsky and Petra Stock in the studio with me, and we're talking about the recent Climate Council report on transport. And so um, Petra's going to tell us a bit more about, about that, about the report. What, what are the key findings in the report and what happens with it now? So one of the interesting things we learned when we were putting together this report was um, actually when you look at Australia's transport sector and, and the energy efficiency, Australia, um, there's been international scorecards which show Australia in terms of its transport energy efficiency, lags behind countries like Russia, Mexico and Indonesia. Mm. We're right at the back of the pack um, internationally in tackling greenhouse gas pollution from the transport sector. Mm. Um, So I guess that's disappointing, but there is a lot that we can do to tackle this problem. Mm. Um, Ideally, we'd love to see the federal government introduce mandatory greenhouse gas emission standards for cars. Um, but failing that, there's a lot that state and territory governments can do and actually are doing um, mm. to reduce greenhouse gas pollution from transport. Yeah, and that's one of the great things that report shows, isn't it, that it's the states that are leading the way. Um, it's uh, a common the- theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which is good in Australia. I mean, um, it's good that the lack of federal government action isn't holding Australia back in terms of actually making some progress on this issue. We're seeing states Mm. and local governments um, move ahead. Yeah, and it's also, um, I guess, it can be inspiring for us to get ideas from other countries and and look at um, what's happening in Russia or Indonesia and and ask, well, (laughs) why why not us? Or or maybe some of the the ones at the front, like France. France, um, okay. So what, what could we take from France that... Um, that we could implement here in Victoria? Well, there's a number of um, 
countries around the world that are now committing to no fossil fuel transport by a certain date mm-hmm. um, and lay it on top of that. And a number of the world's major cities um, are now saying they want to have no fossil fuel transport um, by a certain date and are committing to only purchasing electric buses. So mm. massive cities like um, Los Angeles, wow. you know, that we think of mm. as being car cities mm. um, and think of Los Angeles as a smog um, kind of a place that you mm. go and the air quality is terrible. Mm. They're like uh, moving ahead in leaps and bounds. I guess they're like having to to respond to that air quality issues and just the livability of the city is almost becoming unbearable and so they've got to make some changes. I think people are really waking up that actually we could be living differently in their city and so um, those policies are really responding to that shift and we maybe haven't quite seen it here in Australia. We're pretty we're pretty comfortable and pretty happy with um, the way that our cities look and the way that we move around them, um, although increasingly I certainly find in Melbourne it's getting busier and busier and just trying to get here on the train this morning um, now that school has gone back. Mm, yeah, the, it's, the trams are certainly like yeah. sardine cans when you get in at the peak hour in the morning. Yeah, and so I live on the Mernda line, so they've just opened three new stations, which is great, you know, public transport options for thousands more people, but it means when I'm further down the line, I'm squeezing on with thousands more people. Mm. Yeah. And we are seeing that in most of Australia's major cities that growing populations are putting increased pressure on road and public transport systems mm-hmm. and we need to do a lot to mm. relieve that pressure. Um, Is which it five, do- 5 million we have in Melbourne now? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I experienced the same thing even on the 96 tram with all the apartments that are going up um, in the inner north. You know, uh, It's probably a common experience across <laughs> Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really the work that Sustainable Cities has been doing around, well, what do we need to do to, to keep pace with this, to, to get ahead of it, ahead of the game, to get Melbourne um, yeah. moving for everyone, yeah. every suburb, you know, everyone deserves good public transport and choices to, about how they move around that's, the city. That's right. And it's, it's not just up to our governments. It's both um, government and individual action that, that we need to, to tackle these, these issues. Um, so what can people do Rachel um yeah what would you suggest (laughs) (laughs) well yeah this is all um kind of been running as part of um the get on board campaign so you can jump online to gunonboard.org.au um and have a look at all the different um components of our plan you know from rail to trams to um buses and tackling yeah big trucks and freight in our city Mm -hmm. um and the particular focus that we've had as you set up uh, in the lead up to the election, um, is the work to try and get a commitment to Melbourne Metro Two. Mm-hmm. So right now we've got the first Metro Tunnel going in, which is almost you know the first new major rail infrastructure we've had for like sixty years. So really long overdue um, mm-hmm. extensions to our network, and really exciting to see that um, happening. Um, but the next, you know, th- this will service lines up in the. Um, northwest and um, down in the southeastern suburbs to really increase that capacity but that leaves other parts of the city still waiting and that's where Melbourne Metro 2 comes in and would connect um, with a tunnel from Clifton Hill uh, through the inner north and into the city down to new developments at Fisherman's Bend Mm -hmm. and out west to connect up with Newport and um, provide increased capacity to those western suburbs where a lot of our growth and where lots of people are living and moving and need to get um, around the t- around town, mm-hmm. so yeah. So we've got um, 
excitingly, the Greens uh, have this um, as part of their policy, um, mm. but we'd love to see some of the major parties come to the table and, um, yeah, get it happening. We can't wait until after Metro One's built. Mm-hmm. It'll, you know, our population will be that much higher and mm. busier by then. Yep. So um, we really want to see planning start um, in the next term of government um, mm. next year. And, yeah, so we've been doing a bunch of actions around this and, mm-hmm. and getting it kind of on um, the political radar in the lead-up to the state election. Excellent. Yeah, and there's an action on, um, is it Sunday the 21st of October? That's this Sunday, I believe? Yeah. Um, that's uh, But this is a Yes to Renewables um, launch of the campaign on um, four uh, solar-powered trains. Yes, yeah. yeah. They're going to be yeah down at Flinders Station um, on sun uh, yeah on the twenty first Sunday the twenty first um, I think it people can arrive at twelve forty five there'll be a banner reveal so they've mm-hmm. been um, doing a bunch of work over the last few weeks and they'll be revealing that with a bit of a banner so yeah please come down and um, join join in yeah because um, Melbourne deserves a twenty first century transport system powered by renewables. Indeed. Yeah. So um, we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, Petra, did you want to add anything before we wrap up? I think um, there's. I'd, I'd support a lot of what um, Rachel has suggested in terms of improving Melbourne's public transport. Mm. Um, and for the state of Victoria, it's important to note that um, the New South Wales government has powered one of its rail lines by a solar plant called Beryl Solar Palm. Mm-hmm. So important for Victoria not to get left behind in transport. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely doing a lot in renewables and can do more. Excellent. And we can certainly exercise our vote um, for the parties that are pushing that forward um, at the next state election. So thanks both very much for coming onto the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Um, so I've been talking to Petra Stock, environmental engineer at the Climate Council, um, and uh, Rachel Linsky, the Sustainable Cities campaigner for FO. Um, links to all the material discussed today, along with the podcast of this show, will be put up on the 3CR Dirt Radio website at 3cr.org.au. Uh, 